Welcome to the Touching Into Presence podcast. This podcast is for people who are interested in body work, empowerment, and somatic-based practices. I am Nikki Olson. I'm Andrew Rosenstock. We are certified rolfers. Collectively, we're trained in various movement and bodywork therapies with an emphasis on somatic awareness and client resilience. Through conversations, our goal is to share and explore mind-body paradigms to offer empowerment possibilities. Today, we're lucky to be in conversation with Neil Powers. Neil is a former president of the Rolf Institute, senior faculty for the Guild, and currently teaching for the European Guild. Neil has been rolfing since the 70s at Esalen and a direct student of Dr. Rolf. Our talk with Neil was so delightful as he is a down-to-earth, grounded individual with a great sense of humor, deeply contemplative, and incredibly humble. This made for easy yet deep conversations. I'm personally really excited to share this conversation with you all and hope you get much out of it. So with that, let's begin our talk. Hey, Neil. How are we doing? Good. Great. How was your swim? I'm still, it was good. It was refreshing. Yeah? Breathtaking. Yeah. The, the, the new obstacle we have here, I've got two granddaughters here right now. Oh, lovely. And they just kind of surprised us in appearing. So already I saw the door turn, the doorknob turn. And, uh, <laughs> so we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, and I... And uh, my wife's upstairs, so at some point, the doorbell may ring, the phone may mm. ring, the, the usual uh, peripheral stuff. Yeah. yeah. We'll, 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 uh, we'll coast through it. I really enjoyed watching your talk from uh-huh. the, the Guild, and I was hoping to share you with a, you know, a greater audience. I don't know how many people in the Rolf Institute now know who Neil Powers is. Just like I don't know how many people in the Guild know who... Well, Jan, they probably know Jan, but they might not know like uh, John Martin or, or someone like that. And and so sort of trying to bridge gaps and and part of what we've accidentally figured out is that we're more, Nikki says it better than I do, we're more alike than not. Got um, it. And, and so it. really now is a great time when, when the whole world is splintered. Why doesn't the SI world start to grow more um, yeah. together. Um, Good. And, I, I yeah. think it's a worthy uh, uh, adventure you two are doing. I, I have Thank no you. idea about how, how well it's done. Uh, I, uh, Alish told me to listen to the podcasts of himself and um, Jan, and, and I mm. did not. I, I've mm. just been a bit busy. So All right. thought, no big deal. I don't have to... <laughs> No, you don't. It's kind, of, it's kind of good that way. Coincidentally, kind of how we say accidentally, but we didn't want to be specific just to the Rolf Institute. We really mm-hmm. wanted to talk to to the greater world of structural integration and, 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 and talking to some of the people who have a historical mark. It has become, or we were been hearing how this is common thread of of wanting more, un- like to celebrate yeah. more of how we're more alike than different. And like, yeah. especially, and I had a, a short period of teaching in the phase one of the Rolf Institute and, and it with newcomers, like they're not really interested in yeah. the, the yeah. history anymore. Yeah. And just yeah. and like, why, why do we have this difference? And so we're Andrew and I have just been in this 
place of exploring that and, and asking questions and maybe Good. some of them are bold and, and obviously if there's something, I know the, the history has um, some deep wounds in it. So of course, if we ask something that doesn't feel right for you to share, by all means, don't. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. But, and also kind of like, what is the, what is, what it was, what was the history? Because there's been so many different point of views. So I think yeah. by opening up the container and asking the questions is we get the answers. I, I guess a good way to sort of start is um, the usual question. What brought you to Rolfing? Well, what brought me to Rolfing was uh, just a series of coincidences. Um, as I said before, I, 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 uh, I was in college. My mother wanted me to be a diplomat. And so I was on in the uh, route to uh, become a diplomat. And uh, two things happened, or three things happened. The first thing is I fell in love. And uh, my inclination to go to the Peace Corps lessened. And my in inclination to continue on in the diplomatic field uh, lessened and then a human potential movement exploded that's that's it was just a miraculous time with um uh, the various tea groups and counter groups i did all that uh, all those adventures in addition to going to college and uh uh then i just said enough of this and i went down to esalen uh at the time i was a cook and it, it was a smart move in retrospect because most college students are hungry and where there's food is in the kitchen. So I went from dishwasher to chef's assistant and got really good at cooking. And I still am fairly happy with that. And that's how I got into Esalen. I got in through the kitchen door. And I met, uh, I met Dr. Rolf at Esalen. I met lots of people at Esalen. We got married at Esalen. Alan Watts married us, uh, on the cliffs of Big Sur. And, uh, I had heard about Dr. Rolf. I had read about her, but I was more interested in Fritz Perls and more interested in Alan Watts's uh, Buddhist work. Uh, but then I met that woman, and that woman just floored me. Uh, and I don't remember the exact moment, but I did know immediately that she was a moment in history. I knew that uh, this was someone that I needed to um, shadow, to be alongside. And uh, I, a lot of my life has been around very powerful women. I, I really learned a lot from uh, women. Maybe maybe that's redundant to say powerful women. Women are powerful. So I, I uh, my mother was very influential, and uh, she taught uh, in um, Columbia, and our house was visited by Margaret Mead. Margaret Mead would come for meals and just scare the shit out of me. She would ask questions and her directness was so strong that I would just stutter away and try and explain something. So I had this path of uh, listening to powerful women. Here come the grandkids. <laughs> um, and uh, when I met Dr. Ralph, she had that same tone. She had that same vibrancy and intensity. What's up, kids? Okay, thanks. So 
uh, first of all, I wasn't her best student. Uh, I wasn't her favored student. Uh, I was more like a fruit fly to her, you know, and you're trying to eat and there's this, uh, there's this thing that keeps uh, f- flying in your face. I, I was intense. I was I- inspired by her work, but um, my type of intensity and my type of interest was not for her. She kind of, she kept pushing me away in her own way, but I, that didn't make any difference. I, I, I knew I was going to be there. So I, uh, she basically trained me like a dog, stay out of my face kind of thing. And, uh, but I was loyal to her and I, I continued to be loyal to her theories and things she would say would just blow me away. I'd ask her a question, let's say, and uh, she'd say, um, she'd give me an answer. And I'd say, why? Why do you say that leads to that? And she would get so frustrated with me at times. She'd say, don't ask me why. I just know. And I would go, okay, back off, Neil, back off. I, I just loved watching her. She, one of the things about one of the things about my growing up is uh, that I was very shy. I was kind of withdrawn. And in later years, I saw that as a great strength uh, because uh, a person who's not involved becomes more of an observer of people than an active participant. And I didn't realize that until later that the... Um, the ability to observe became a very powerful gift for me that came in through the back door, so to speak, through a weakness of interacting with people. So I found that um, I found that that was very powerful. Well, I, I wanted to, I, I can relate to, to the observer. I was yeah. also that. And I yeah. actually repeated kindergarten because I, the teachers just thought I was daydreaming all the time and it probably, you know, at a kindergarten age, yes, daydreaming, but definitely came from, I learned a lot from observing Yeah, and I've been told that through, you know, I'm one of those people that sometimes say that I'm an old soul just because of just kind of taking things in, but I'm kind of curious how you're this knowing yourself as an observer, but then you, and so kind of maybe being a little quiet or shy, but then again, you also have this intensity, it sounds like, because you're that fruit fly that is not, that is persistent and staying in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, there, there's a, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I, I, I just know I wasn't her favorite and, and I wanted to be her favorite. I mean, I guess everyone in her shadow wanted to be her uh, light. I was I was interested in just how she uh, interacted with people. I remember at one point she was holding my head. I was lying down uh, on a, on the t- table, and I was looking up and I was saying, "Oh, just, just love me, Doctor Rolf. Just love, love me." And and I blinked or something, and I saw that she had this wall, this space, this space of distance, this space of. Uh, not looking at my eyes, looking at her wanting to be loved. There was this, there was this moment I had where she had this solid space between me and herself. And 
I find I found that in my own work as valuable. I find that uh, when I work with people, I don't want to so much have them love me. I, I want them to more love themselves uh, and be more aware of themselves. And I don't need to. I, I mean, I, I come from a place of uh, of love, but it's not. Uh, it has a space to it. It doesn't have a. A clinging to it or a needing to be held. It, it, it's a, it's a place I come from, and and that moment when Dr. Rolf was holding my head and working on my neck, that may have been the seed to all this that I talk about now. When I'm trying to get my, when I'm inviting my students to be themselves, not to, uh, not to be the hero or not to be the, not to be anything but themselves, and. Uh, I found uh, I made my moments with Dr. Rolf significant. I, I, uh, I remember one time I brought her breakfast and I put it on, on the table for her. She loved kefir. I, you could make anything, but you had to make sure you put kefir in it. And so she had this bowl of kefir and something, maybe fruit. And it was her birthday. Uh, and, uh, and it was like your weather in Colorado, kind of cloudy and, uh, and uh, she she started to take a spoon of uh, her breakfast, and she said, "It's always sunny on my birthday." And she lifts her head up and brings the spoon to her mouth, and this thing of sunlight hits her gray hair. I don't know where it came from, but I saw it, and I was just like startled because she, it just it blew me away. Those moments I look for, uh, I don't look for. I just observe, and uh, it, it touched me. So I. Uh, I did my utmost to be in her presence. And uh, most of the time I succeeded. Um, she had a very Zen way of, uh, of teaching. I mean, she had all her little, um, her parlor tricks. I was always impressed with her parlor tricks. She'd be sitting in her rocking chair rocking and uh, she'd look over at, uh, She'd look over at Nikki and say, Nikki, it's under your third finger. And Nikki would have her hand underneath the body. And Nikki would do some work and she would say, your third finger, Nikki, not your second finger, your third finger. <laughs> and, then, and then Nikki would change her shift and she'd go, there. See what I mean? Can you feel that? Do you see what I'm talking about? So there were moments like those parlor tricks that I really enjoyed. And a great uh, student that took a lot of dress, I thought at the time, but I, I think he enjoyed it, was Jan Sultan. Jan Sultan had a great a relationship with her, uh, but it was a give and take. And uh, I, I still encourage my uh, practitioners, my colleagues, to take classes with Jan. They, they can't take him anymore with Emmett. Who has who had great uh, teaching skills and Peter, bless his heart, uh, invited change. Emmett made change. Peter invited change. And uh, Jan, uh, uh, Jan just had a Jan had uh, has a lot of uh, dimensions to him, and I encourage uh, people to take work from him. When I first took my uh, auditing class. 
when I first when my practitioning class, uh, Jan assisted Ida. And that just that was that blew me out of the water. That that was an incredible uh, graduating class with Jan, who uh, in the evenings would uh, do private sessions. And his first client was Tom Myers, who was just coming in, looked like John Denver. And uh, uh, Jan did uh, his work with uh, Tom Myers at the time, who wanted to get into the class but couldn't get in. So that was that. But Dr. Dr. Rolf, uh, I still think of her. I still think of her. In fact, uh, Emmett's, uh, Emmett's book, uh, which is his class notes, I, I, it was given to me. Um, the front says, what would Ida do? That, that's his, that's his the, the one little three word question uh, in, the, in the opening of his book, uh, of his uh, class notes. There was just something there that that hit me of this sort of I'm trying to find the right words for it so that either I don't sound offensive or I don't sound idiotic or something in between. And somewhere in there, there is a, what I'm trying to say, which is there's that sense of what would Ida do? You know, for a lot of us, we're we're told all these stories and yeah. that's what they are. You know, I'm I'm probably personally like two generations removed from Ida yeah, uh, and everyone coming gets more and more. There's something, and I think it's one of the things Nikki and I are trying to do of really preserving that essence of Ida that, uh-huh. that it's just amazing. You know, I, I can imagine, I can imagine only, but you've actually experienced and lived it and, and know this, you have that firsthand knowledge of which I'm, you know, a few hands away from it. It's just, it's, I don't know. I'm not necessarily asking you a question. I'm more just in awe of it in a way. The, the, for me, it was so ordinary for to be with Dr. Rolf. It, it's just like I, I was at Esalen. The various teachers were there. Dr. Rolf was there. I, it was now those ordinary moments are more extraordinary, but at the time, it's just like uh, like it's going to go on forever. Like uh, I, I get to learn, I get to sit with Dr. Rolf for years and years and years. Didn't happen. But I just, I think all of us um, have these moments that become so important. But in the beginning, at the moment, we're just like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, waistline back, top of the head up. Okay, yeah, I, I can practice that. Or Dr. Rolf saying, Nikki, it's under your third finger, not your second finger. So she'll say that tomorrow to someone else. It, I, I just didn't, uh, I, I held it as just information. And now I hold it more as insight and uh, inspiration. But at the time it was just, you're in a class with a teacher. Uh, what what I have learned and what I really try, uh, no, I do more than try. I get close to insisting with my uh, practitioners is to be their own practitioner, is not imitate Emmett, not imitate Nikki, not, not imitate you, Andrew, just to become themselves. And those moments when they just kind of accept the mystery of not knowing and start to touch, feel, smell, sense what to do next, those, those are like the primary moments of learning, I think, for people.
And we all have these, I mean, I, if you listen to that tape, I could not see. I, now, seeing is different than observing. Observing is you see patterns of movement, but seeing is watching tissue move like fabric. That was, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to watch for the fabric of the body move. And I could not do that. But I learned it through touch. Uh, my touch became my eyes, so to speak. And so I started teaching workshops on um, uh, seeing through feelings. I had some title like that, uh, that uh, I tried to teach my practitioners um, how to develop that. And I think the real, the real strength in that um, teaching is that you don't just do the work, but you do the work, evaluate the work, you do the work, you evaluate. So you, you have more of an involvement in what have you done? You don't just plow ahead or you don't just uh, ask for movement and then ask for movement again, but you evaluate and ask for feedback from the, uh, the client. But uh, I think it's so important now in my own work, I do so much evaluation. I, maybe it's almost half or maybe more than half my work is uh, evaluation. And I do that through touch. If I put my left hand on your shoulder, Andrew, and my right hand on your knee, I wanna be able to feel my two hands through your body. If my left hand, can feel my right hand on your right on your knee, but my right hand cannot feel my left hand. There's something in that direction, in that line, or in that lack of movement strain that is uh, that I need to address. So that's what I'll do. I'll do this kind of Helen Keller um, touching of bodies when they're talking. I hold the head, I listen to the vibration of the voice. I feel more vibration of their voice on the left side of their head than on the right side of their head. Okay, so what, So I start to work, I, they're telling me there's life story and I'm feeling for vibration. That's all I'm feeling for is vibration. Uh, or, or I have my hand on their chest and uh, on, their head, on their head and I can feel uh, this movement but I can't feel the movement down from the head to the hand on the chest. I do a lot of that, what I guess called transmission of movement. That's what I call it. And uh, that I developed on my own. Now I don't, Dr. Rolf used to say 901. We would say, we would say something that we thought was the most enlightening thing we've ever uncovered in our practice. She'd say 901. And there'd be that moment and she'd say, I've told you that 900 times. And now you're telling me this for the first time, like you just discovered it. 901 <laughs> used to crack me up. Still does to think about it. So it sounds like yeah. a lot of what, how, what you're sharing of the early days of the training. And we've kind of heard from other people Judith Aston, who also, and Jan Sultan, which is kind of interesting of these stories where there, there is this essence of Dr. Iderall that was hard to put into words, but just knew like there was this ritual determination of 
I'm going to be in this class and I'm going to learn this. Yeah. Great. And, and then when you're kind of speaking to how kind of the uniqueness of, of just being, just being in the work and that you had the luxury of just kind of being with it and creating, creating with it in some ways Yeah. that a lot of it is from an, from learning from observation, because it, correct me if I'm wrong, when it was at Esalen, it was still very much in its early stages where Ida at the time was kind of from teaching from, I just know. It's like, I just yeah. know. I don't have documentation. I don't yeah. have textbooks for it. This, I know it works. And you're going to do it right. the way I tell you to do it. And you, <laughs> the 900 times I'm going to tell you how to do it. Yeah. Which I think is so cool how this work has been able to carry on for so, for, well, kind of for a while now, still young, but yeah. that Ida at the time didn't have a lot of time with her work to really bring it into documentation. This Correct? is true. This is true. She tried. I mean, there were several scientific projects. Um, she really tried to, she wanted to be more accepted. She really did. It was, uh, and she knew she had a limited amount of time, but I suspected she knew she had a limited amount of time. And the frustrating part is there was just this group of mostly hippies that were interested in her. She didn't want the hippies. She wanted the, she wanted the documentation, the scientists, she wanted some acceptance. She tried to teach this work to osteopaths and they, they assimilated some of it, but they really didn't do the 10 sessions, obviously. And, and we all know how much manual labor this is. I mean, this is definitely uh, physical work to perform this work. But there's ways around it. There's, there's ways. I remember watching Gail Olgren, who has a different last name now. Um, uh, she was so thin-like and, and excellent and just, just this wisp of a model of a woman. And she was getting great results. And she was asking for movement. Most of us were plowing, doing the rototilling work, and uh, but she was she would fix her hands somewhere and ask for various movements, and she was getting incredible results. So, yes, Dr. Rolf had that uh, higher understanding, we'll call it, I'll call it. But really, uh, again, I keep coming back to this: uh, we have to, as individuals, uh, develop our own way of creating, accomplishing this work. And, it, and it's, a, it's still a heartbreak for me on what happened to the uh, Guild and the Institute. And uh, Could you speak to a little bit of that? Because as you, before you were saying that, yeah. that yes, as practitioners, we kind of, to be authentic in our work, have to find a way yeah. to do it that works for us, that we're not just copying from right. our previous teacher. Yeah. Yeah. But in that, how do we still, how do you, so yes, you need, need to be individualized, but not so much so that you're taking the information and then creating something new, that there's still this hallmark. What What is owning yeah. our work? And that was a question I had asked Jan Sultan with kind of the, the, the level of touch, like yeah. for me, historically, I know Rolfing's known for being super painful. Yeah. It drives me crazy because it doesn't, 
yes, there's a, a little bit of, you know, maybe a heavier handed pressure yeah. than maybe some you might experience in, you know, a spa massage, but that people don't want to come and get rough because, and I find this in Boulder, which I think is kind of interesting seeing that the school has been here and you would think that that, that wouldn't, that reputation wouldn't be so alive here because so many yeah. people have been rolled, but I still come across of it. And we're like, Oh, that's, I rolfing sounds so interesting, but I, I don't want to feel that pain. Exactly. And exactly. I'm like, wait, it doesn't have to be that way. So that was a question that I brought to Jan of like, and he was kind of, well, that is, that is our work that we're kind of known for that. But of course there's still this spectrum of touch. Yeah. So, yeah. I would love to hear a little bit more of, of, of speaking to, because the divide with the Rolf Institute was, a, again, correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding was some people wanted to change it or add to the work where other people were like, no, it really needs to stay the way Ida taught it. Yeah, that was the, that was the main split. That was the, that was the, okay, the big change that uh, after her passing, um, well, you asked you you had you, you gave me so many uh, things to think about. The uh, it's interesting that um, when people talk about change, uh, it it involves more of a challenge. Like uh, I'm going to start meditating. Uh, da, da, da. But if you start talking about change in a, a body, that's got to be painful. It just kind of assimilates that. It just has that. There's got to be pain involved. It's got to be uncomfortable. And I think it's a confront for a lot of people, but really those of us that have some kind of a daily practice of yoga, let's say, or uh, exercise running or uh, even meditating, there's that moment of, gee, do I really have to do this? I mean, I know I made my mind up to do this every day, but oh, here I go. And all of a sudden, then you get more comfortable doing it. And, and uh, I find that in my yoga practice that I... There's days I go like, God, why am I doing this? Well, 10 minutes into why am I doing this? I realize, oh, I know why I'm doing this. I am, I'm getting centered again. Here I'm, this, these frayed uh, thoughts are leaving me. So there was that, that part of you, you, you talked about that brought that thought up. The other thought is um, Pain has bad PR. <laughs> it just has really bad PR. Someone's got it. Some good business person's got to get into the pain thing and and change it because it does. If anything, we we all know it hurts good. I mean, there's that certain kind of extra stretch you get, uh, and uh, and I don't. Uh, I mean, when I first started my work, I was painful. I created pain. Um, and it was a perfect environment. We had primal therapists down the hall screaming. We had the Vietnam War protesters. Everyone was screaming. So what the heck? Uh, go ahead and scream uh, for my clients. And my sessions were two and a half hours in the beginning. And I thought they stood up out of fear. Like, if this guy touches me again, I'm going to jump out that window. I mean, they they mocked up better posture, I think, just to please, just to please me. And but they keep coming back. It's so interesting that I, I tell myself that this is the oldest profession touch. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it goes way back to how important touch is. And I, I caution my client, my, my colleagues about, especially the early ones, you don't land like an Eagle on a dove. 
you you land like a bird on a branch. You 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 come in like a wave on the beach. You, there's a, a way of touch that is an introduction to the betweenness of the two of you. And uh, I think that's important. Uh, I, in fact, I know it's important. And then the whole thing about this split, uh, it was already happening. It, 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 Dr. Rolf was ill and failing and she had gone back to New Jersey and uh, these various power uh, plays were taking place. And it was, it was definitely a challenging time. It definitely was. Uh, the, the, the one thing I got out of my diplomatic experience is uh, any country, any individual, any couple, as they start to become a couple, an individual, a country, they uh, create their own identity. And when you create your own identity, you separate yourselves from others. You created a separation. Uh, or uh, in terms of our political system, you build walls. So, and you do the wall building, you do the separation to become your own identity. But if you use that as an overstrength, you're lost. You don't have a relationship. And I can see in your... I sense in your podcast this desire to um, build bridges more than walls, and I think it's uh, it's extremely important. And I thank you, uh, whoever else you are, uh, for creating this because that's the only way we're going to get ahead is uh, sharing information rather than dictating positions. Thank you. Yes, we, it's been a great pleasure to, to go on this journey and to speak with so many different people, um, whether it's been SI people that were directly related to Ida or other people who were around in this human potential movement who didn't necessarily study with Ida or structural integration, but were in this world. So it's, it's definitely been um, a great journey to go down. Especially during COVID, when yeah. you know I, you know my practice essentially stopped. Um, yeah, mine too. I have two little ones now that I'm homeschooling, but um, but yeah, could you speak a little bit? I'm really intrigued with the split and how you talked about it was maybe already happening in these the personalities. How you know as becoming one as structural integrators? Yes, of course. You know. There's these like-minded individuals that are coming together that that does create separation and differentiation to other groups. But within the SI, the original structural integrators, Rolfers, the two different personalities that were that were being created, what were that? Because I, I think especially people who are coming into the training and maybe trying to decide the Rolf Institute or the Guild, I think in some way people are picking up on the, this historical personality, but what was it? Yeah. What is it? If you don't well, mind speaking to that. No, a little not bit. At all. First of all, I don't think it's important anymore. I don't think the, that part of the history is that important anymore because it was mostly egos. It really was mostly egos that uh, knew better accordingly, and uh, 
wanted to either make their contribution uh, on the shoulders of Dr. Rolf and those that uh, thought, you know, I don't know really that much. I'm going to stick with this for a while. And I don't want you to change session seven that much. And uh, I don't want you to bring in various other modalities. Let's just do this. My whole thing was Dr. Rolf basically said it took her 40 years to come up with the work, to refine the work. I thought, shit, okay. Took her 40 years. It'll probably take me 60, but I, I'm going to stick with the work. So uh, basically, that's what I've done. I've uh, the temptations to give it another name, uh, and as you said, develop your own work and then create your own modality style school. I think is very tempting. Very tempting for people. I think it's uh, it's in part of kind of shining one's ego. Uh, or self-importance. I'm degrading that a little, but it, it's uh, it's a challenge to many of us, and it's a challenge to me. I I, I sometimes uh, I sometimes want to teach my I do I teach my practitioners my style, but I say now this is my style. This just this is not from the basic ten. This is just something that evolved from my doing this work. Here's what I do. You don't have to do it, but here's how I do it, and here's the results I get. I find it most valuable to teach the 10-session series. I think the, the basis of this work is to do the 10-session series. And then you can add uh, your cranial sacral, and you can add your uh, uh, other visceral manipulation as your work develops. But to me, what's most important, and it's really hard for me <laughs> because I see – I see so many people with how I would perceive as an insecurity wanting to get as much knowledge as possible and squeeze it through this toothpaste tube called Rolfing. And uh, that, that tube gets all over everywhere and you, they lose their focus. They lose their focus of first I have to de-strain the body. I've got to do it superficially. I have to ask for movement. I have to ask for feedback. I have to start to develop their sense of integration, that sense of the line. And I have to do it in that order. It's just like a relationship. You, you don't just dive into bed, so to speak, or dive into having two kids. You can, but uh, good luck. Uh, you, what you do is you just start to find similarities. And the, the relationship develops as the differences change or lessen. So uh, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about the, I'll tell you, the biggest thing about that split is I miss my friends. That's the big one. I mean, I miss my times with uh, my colleagues. Uh, the meetings were a little hair raising, the, the teachers, uh, faculty meetings, but by and large, I just miss them. That's it. I don't have I don't have animosity. I it's just kind of a an emotional missing them. And is that always been, or is that what age is? Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, lately, I've talked with Jan Sultan, but that was after like thirty years. It's kind of like a bad breakup, but. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I mean, I, I don't sit around whimpering or, or uh, head head in the in the shadows. I I keep going on, but it's just part of my life. It's just part of what happens. Uh, it was miraculous. It was genuinely beautiful. The split happened. It was heartbreaking, but a heart's a muscle, so it didn't really break. Right, and you were you were on the board, so you you didn't did you split with the institute? Right away. No. What was your involvement? Because you were on the board for the Rolf Institute for quite some time, right? Or I director. I was on the board. And then in 1980, I became the president. So I was the president of the Rolf Institute for six years, 80 to 86. And it was during that time that I started to realize um, this ship is sinking. There's something about this ship that... Uh, uh, I need to step away. I, I was not so much interested in joining the guild. The guild didn't happen then. It happened, a, it happened I don't know, 89 or something like that. Uh, I just sensed, I, I wrote to Peter, I remember, and I said, Peter, there's a storm coming. And I feel like I'm a farmer out in the field waving a rake at this storm, and I'm not doing anything. I, I, I'm, I'm moving on. And I, I wished Peter well and Stacy well and uh, it, it was just heartbreaking. That's all it was. I love that. Um, that image in my mind is simple, but powerful of you holding a rake. And, and, <laughs> and as, as one who speaks a lot in allegory and metaphor, I really yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. There's when I'd seen this other video of you, there was something that really captivated me. And I, you know, I think part of it is when I mean, you were you were married by Alan Watts, so clearly you have a uh, well, maybe not clearly, but there's some sort of an introspective, meditative mm -hmm. aspect of you. And I, I'm from what I'm hearing, sort of about how you you miss your friends, and, I, and I'm sorry for that. Even though I was born in 1980, the year that you were <laughs> just starting, and <laughs> but I, I think that that's probably one of the things that's helped you a lot. I would guess is that that sense of introspection for oh, for me, I, yeah, yeah, for all of us, yeah. Well, I, I don't see, I mean, that's one of the things I don't see a lot in the Rolf Institute, or it's not that I don't see a lot. I mean, I think a lot of people have meditation, but I don't, it's not recommended or it's not highlighted per se. And I had spoken to someone recently from another school and I was talking with him about some sort of stuff. And he was sort of saying how he had like what the prerequisites were like meditation and having a therapist like these were like in order to to be <laughs> along these ways was having a way of seeing yourself and then also having outside sort of come in and these you know in my education within within the SI world I hadn't I know a lot of SI people may do meditation or may do yoga but I don't necessarily see it as much. And I, when I'd seen you speak, it was very clear to me, like, oh, this is someone who does a lot of meditation. Mm. And then when, when you mentioned earlier about going to Esalen for Fritz Perls, that also sort of, there's, I think, that aspect of SI. I mean, there is a, I think, you know, we're, we're this category of so many things. Like when you yeah. ask someone, what is structural integration? You know, I, I was on a podcast a week ago and I said, Here, here's my elevator, you know, bullshit pit, pitch answer. But like, really, what is the person coming from? Because if they're coming for a physical, there's that side. If they're coming for a psycho, social, biological, whatever, spiritual, yeah. there, there can be that as well. You know, I, I personally, 
I before I became a rolfer, I was an Esalen massage practitioner. Oh, cool! So, oh, cool! Yeah. Oh, good so, for you. Is that how yeah. you choose? No. Did you meet Esalen. No, Nikki and I met through through the Rolf Institute because I'm oh, also I, we're both graduates of the. Oh God, what's the name now? Uh, the Rolf. Let's just say the Rolf Institute. We don't have to go through yeah, the different yeah, names. Yeah, I know uh, Rolf. I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Doctor Ida P. Rolf uh, Foundation of Structural Integration and Movements of the Arts. No, no, just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. <laughs> um, that's fun. That's fun. But the that one of the things that Esalen massage taught me from body work was really a sense of going inwards. You, yeah. you're, which I I see with some. I mean, my my phase three teacher was um, he would probably he would be there when you were there was uh, Ray McCall. Ray McCall. I, I was going to say his name before you said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ray is a very introspective person. Yes, um, yes, he is. And I, I loved that. I mean, if, when you were talking before about Ida being doing her parlor tricks and being like, no, the, the, the third finger, I mean, that Ray has that. And it's a, for me, it's a lot of like, how do you, how do yeah. you tap into the field like that? And I, I yeah. think part of it is just meditation. But the whole point of this sort of thing is I, I think that the reason why you can look at that and, and, and say, I'm, you know, I miss my friends and, and look back and, and not be as upset or how it sounds is because of that self-practice. Yeah, I think I, I yes, I, I've had to I've had to detach myself from that in a way. And I think the years, the years just seem to wash things, make them less significant, unless I want to make them real significant. But I don't want to make them real significant. There was a moment when I went to Alan Watts to ask him to marry us. And he was with this group of people at Esalen uh, around a table and I just politely went up to Alan and I, I uh, explained my request. And he looked at me just, he just turned like, uh, like, <laughs> like you'd see in a horror picture, this head turning slowly. And he looks at me and he says, uh, you're at the top of your relationship and you think it's going to last forever. <laughs> oh, God. And I just collapsed. I just... I, he says, of course, I'll do it. But it was kind of a dismissal kind of thing. And back to his buddies. And I, I, we had one of the point houses at Esalen. There's three houses off the garden that are right on the cliffs of uh, the Pacific Ocean. And I just I cried from leaving the dining hall right up to the front door. And I kind of wiped myself and I, and I walked in and I said, Derek, he said yes. And she went, oh, fabulous, you know, da, da. but I didn't tell her for years, maybe 20 years. I didn't tell her of that moment when he said, you're at the pinnacle of your love and you think it's going to last forever. <laughs> so that was that was such a great lesson now, but not the moment. It was like getting hit with a, a board. But sometimes I have to be hit with a board so, or sometimes I have to feel like I've been hit by a board to really. Uh, to really gather some insight from it. Do you think I, that him saying that was kind of like, you're kind of like, well, wait a minute. Who says you can, who's, who are you to say, this is the pinnacle. I'm going to live this life. Well, I think that would be, Nikki. I think that would be you saying it. No, I just, I, I was stunned. Uh, in, in retrospect, uh, I, I can't remember, but I, I think I, I was just stunned. Uh, and of course it, it, uh, it made me think about it and it hurt me, but it didn't matter. I, I, uh, I don't mind being humbled. I, I find being humbled as, as quite an, and I'm not masochistic. I, I just, I don't mind being 
humbled. It. Uh, well, you're you're still married to Dara these days, so yeah, yeah. I, th- I I think you proved him. <laughs> you proved Alan Watts wrong. <laughs> well, for the moment, for the moment, you know, Alan might have just said that off the cuff. He was such an amazing guy. One one time, he came into uh, one of the the rooms to speak, and he was so inebriated he couldn't stand up. In fact, he had a lie right down on his back. He, he lied supine and he gave the lecture and I was more staring at him, not listening, but just like, this guy's like totally tanked. And then some years later, I listened to his tape. It had no, it didn't have the, the drunk guy lying on the floor. It, it had him like uh, doing this with his arms and it, the, the, audio, the audio was just amazing. And I, that just blew me away. Alan surprised me so many times. One of the funniest things is we were at the Baz. I was in a hot tub with some folks and uh, he was getting, he was giving a massage and he fell asleep on top of the woman, but he just passed out basically. And she's going, Alan, Alan, Alan. <laughs> He's snoring away. He was a funny guy. Uh, but anyway, let's, let's get back to the work. Let's get back to Rolfing. Well, I mean, for me, that is part of the work, in my uh, my view. I think uh, when you can start to bring in some of the meta conscious Hindu, I mean, for Alan, it was Hindu based. Uh, I forget the yeah. exact word. Hindu. He was an Hinduologist. Yeah, yeah. But that totally, I I see that as the work. It's all connected. Yeah, it is. It is. You're right. It is. But I know Nikki has more questions about the actual work. Yeah, please. Well, no, not really. I mean, I think it's just this uh, being part of this podcast has been so fun for just understanding the history and the the two schools. And, um, you know, I didn't know about the split or even the guild. I, I, I was already in school in Colorado. So and my first rolfer was Ray McCall. So I just naturally fell into the Rolf Institute out of convenience and not knowing that there was other schools. And um, so by being in the environment, you learn a little bit about it. And and it always has been kind of that statement. It was like the guild, they just do the 10 series and, and the Rolf Institute of course teaches the 10 series, but there's really not much talk of what else, like what the Rolf Institute does different. Yeah. And um, so have been a rolfer for almost 20 years and been part of the teaching and and still like I still didn't know until we started doing this podcast I really didn't have met many other guilders and so I'm finding by hearing these stories is really gaining a deeper appreciation of teaching just the 10 series because again from being in the Rolf Institute and 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 seeing have experienced a bunch of different teachers and then being in a teaching role and having students come and being like, well, I want to study with this teacher because they, they're more cranial based or I want to study with yeah. this teacher because they're more visceral. And I, I've seen that how um, some students kind of get lost in what is the 10 series depending on um, the teacher that's teaching it because the teacher who's teaching it is throwing in their biases of yeah. whatever yeah. continuing education that they've gone down and really liked and have complimented yeah. the work with. 
And so just when you were talking about it, I, I just something landed with me of how the guild isn't just teaching the tense. It, it's teaching, holding on to the purity. And, and I think, which in some way it's sad that the split happened, but I think also the split in some way has offered two different ways of learning for people. And yeah. it kind of almost helps bring the work. Cause I know again, through various conversations, there's still frustration of like, we're still so unknown. And, and I think with these different schools, it does help offer different type of learners to be able to learn the work in a way that's better suited for them. Yes. Yes. And, but I then also appreciate kind of, kind of with the Rolf Institute, sometimes it does get a little far out there where, where there's some classes I've assisted in or been a part of where like, wait a minute, this is very cranial sacral. Yeah. Like, and, and students get frustrated because they're like, this, this is, I didn't receive this type of work that my, my work was in the tissue, like yeah, yeah. feeling pressure, not this like kind of off body type of work. So I, I don't know, just something listening to your story and talking about why there's this split and people wanting to stick with just the series landed with me a little bit more of honoring the, the purity of the 10 series. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. not embellishing it with a bunch. And I like the, uh, the other stuff for sure. But, um, yeah. but there's something to be said about sticking with the, the original work and not embellishing it too much. At, well, at an early learning stage. Yeah, yeah, coming from it. I, I think that's wise. I think it just to, um, I think learning anything, including like a, riding a bicycle, you have to first learn to balance on the bicycle. And the basic 10 is a way of developing a sense of balance in your work. And it, it's so tempting, as I've said before, for other, for any practitioner to veer off. In fact, Dr. Rolf used to say, I know many of you are going to leave this work. You're going to change it, but you'll be back. I, I love that, that, but you'll be back. That, that's, that so touched me. I, I just, it would just charm me when, uh, and she almost say it at every class that I attended, but you'll be back. And all that means to me is just keep in mind the basic 10 sessions that you don't, you don't really want to do your visceral work in the first session. You don't really want to do your cranial work in the first session, but you have it as a tool. And, uh, and e e even my, even my thing about tone and uh, uh, transmission of movement. I mean, I do use that, but uh, when I'm teaching it, I, I really try and, form, formulate within those practitioners, listen, let's first do this first session. And you over there, you're really good at your cranial work. Okay, you, you, can, you can do some of it, but really don't, don't let it dominate your understanding of this basic first session. Just, you can keep it as a strength, but don't let it be an overstrength. An overstrength is, I, I find that term, uh, a positive way of talking about a weakness, that it's an overstrength. 
And uh, and uh, I think that that works really well. Speaking just of muscles, uh, you know, yeah. long muscles are sometimes they're over, they're overdoing it. They don't need yeah. to. Whereas they're too strong, they're they're weak. They're weak. It becomes a weakness. Yeah. yeah. Does um? Can you speak? To the, does the guild have the the five principles? Do they operate from a principle standpoint where the Rolf Institute, the Tin Series, does have these founding principles? Well, first of all, um, I've left the Rolf and the guild. Okay. I, I'm no longer with the guild. Uh, I'm more affiliated with the European guild with Alice's uh, Alice's community and uh, Taka's community in uh, Japan. Uh, and I honestly don't know what you meant by five principles or five something you said. Closure, well, that would be the last one. Um, support, palatinicity, uh, closure. Adaptability. Adaptability. Holism. And, yep. They were, as far as I understand, they were partly brought in from Jeff Maitland. Yeah, I, it sounds like Jeff. It yeah. definitely sounds like Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Have you have you read any of his books, perchance? No, I, I read some of his articles. I just wanted to thank you for spending time to talk about the split. And I don't want to keep on belaboring it, but I think it's important that the the questions get asked because the questions are still being asked by new new rolfers and i think it's important especially in this just the, the 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 state of the world now it's like enough about the split yeah, and yeah, let's yeah, we're yeah. way more similar than different and it's and there's great great things about both schools and it's not yeah, one school is better yeah. than the other and um that we should we we should all be in a way of uniting and because it's going to serve us if this if this work you know stays and kind of wanting to put it in different schools and different identities then it's a huge disservice what it's we need to have yeah. is more unity so we can grow together and celebrate our differences but how we're all still make we're all in it for the greater good of our clients exactly. and how yeah. to get our clients and the world to be able to orient to health in a way that's that they get to promote. We're just kind of there to facilitate the the change, but it comes from their work and where they want to take it. And that's not any different in the guild, the Rolf Institute, the you know the somatic movement yeah. worlds that are out there. And now, now the curiosity we've as best as we can have asked the questions. The curiosity hopefully can be died down. The answers are now there and we get to move on. We get to move on. Yeah. You know, I like that you were mentioning how you've, you're doing more with Alesh now. And I really, we had a great talk with him. He really opened my eyes to seeing things in an, another way. But one of the things I've talked with him about is this idea of, of how do we bring things together? And one idea I sort of liked was some sort of possible co-teaching and I, I don't, or co-lecturing or something where you had, oh, yeah. you you know, a topic or something and you had people from a few different schools as the instructors. And it's a way of, well, I can see how Neil would teach that. I could see how, 
Heller would teach that. I could see how, you know, Jan or whoever, you know, whoever it may be, and really having a way that of bringing together so that we can say, yes, we have our, our differences in this, but this is what we're sharing. And, and this is creating a, a bigger conversation of SI and not, well, this is what the Rolf Institute said, and this is what the European Guild said, so I don't mm-hmm. listen to you. Unfortunately, with COVID, so much stuff is shut down. Yeah. Um, that's one of the ways that I see going forward is, and like what Nikki said is true, each school, the right you're going to find the right school for you, or you're going to find the wrong school. I mean, I know a few people who switched. They went to one, yeah. it didn't work, they left, and they went to the other. Yeah. Um, but you'll find the right, and then you'll work in that for a few years, but but then what? Um, and, you know, for me, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm like that fruit fly you spoke about earlier for you. And I want to always kind of be like, I, I never want to say, this is it. This is 100, you know, even who I am is constantly like, let's, let me get a magnifying glass and keep looking yeah. at it and seeing it. And so um, I think that that's one of the ways I think I see us going forward. And I, I have seen like Michael Polin, uh, who was a Rolf Institute. Yeah. He's been teaching across other other ones. We had Kirsten Schumacher on uh, last Great. week who, and she's been teaching, you know, across. And I see that sort of as a way, but not just single units. Uh, for me, I really think it's about having some sort of meeting of, of, yeah. of and you know, one of the things, how I view you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, and this kind of comes out of that Esalen tradition of the elders, right? I think that there's something about listening to our elders. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, not just because of what you said, but you've you've been steeped in this work and you've been in in charge for a while. Elder not being an age term, but sort of a, yeah. But I think it's something about having the elders together to share. And so I guess we'll see how that unfolds in time. Yeah, we'll see how it unfolds. I actually have this idea that, the uh, Rolf Institute has some uh, big gathering. Is it next year or 22 or there's some big gathering coming up, some anniversary of Dr. Rolf's something or other. And Well, the, the European Guild is doing that. No. Yeah, I know that. But no, there, oh. I thought the Rolf Institute was doing it. I, I'm not aware of that, but that doesn't mean anything. It was from Richard Innes, I heard it, that he was trying to orchestrate such a meeting of uh, elders uh, that mm. were long ago affiliated with the Institute. And it had something to do with uh, the anniversary. But anyway. Anyway, so what's really interesting, and again, I don't want to go too much into the history, but there was something that really occurred to me today is that the story that Nikki and I will hear as Rolf Institute people is probably a little different than the story that Gilders will have heard. It's possible. Yeah, I, I think that's with anything, really. Well, uh, yeah, there's the, it's called the Rashomon effect. Oh, is that what it's called? Uh. Yeah, there's an old movie, a Japanese movie called Rashomon, which is a story of like, a, it's it's a story told in three parts. It's his oh, yeah. side, her. Yeah. Different perceptions. Different yes, perceptions. Yeah. That was great. That was great. But then the thing I was going to say was that the way that we had heard was that Michael, Jan, and one more sort Peter. of were the... Well, it wasn't Peter. Peter and Emmett, there were five original like teachers, senior teachers. Yeah. And and when I did left, the five of them were all left sort of with no one in charge. So it was Peter, Emmett, Jan, maybe Tom. Maybe Tom was Tom oh. Wing. No. Um not Tom Wing. Wasn't me. Wasn't Stacy. 
No. Anyway, I don't, anyway, so that that those sort of five were the senior people, and then when the split came, it was three Peter and yeah, three to two, yeah, three to two. Whoever the third one was, and now this is clearly um, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. Um, forget what's I think if we just hold the idea of a bridge, that's yeah. uh, that's great. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I wish all all of us well in in our work and. Uh, and I think we all do good work. I, I think the various schools, even though it's, it's every once in a while you get that I'm better than that group. It's just like so silly. It's so mm-hmm. silly. Because I think it's, yeah. And I'm, I mean, when I was in my early years, for sure, I was like, oh, I go to the Rolf Institute. I'm the only <laughs> one that can call us a Rolfer. Yeah. But, um, you know, as with me growing up and also, you know, having two young kids and just being, you know, and, and again, being in a teacher role for a short period and also being this type of, I mean, I need a lot of different ways to learn. And I, I'm really coming back to celebrating, you know, using the split as a, as a mixed blessing. I don't like that people got hurt and, you know, friendships were broken or lost. And, um, but coming back to how this can serve us to bring this work to all different types of, to to all different types of learners. When we're all, we're all different we have all different types of needs. And that's, 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 that's what it should be about. No more of the split and the the, the egos that are involved and just be like, we got different schools. And I mean, the, you know, someone who took the work and created his own, Tons Myers, I mean, he's he's made a great niche for himself of bringing, bringing this work into the fitness world. I, I'm half in the fitness world, and it's mind-boggling. It's sometimes I kind of have to be like, wait a minute, it's yeah. Ida Rolf that yeah, created yeah. this work. <laughs> <laughs> but good for him in the way, like, that he really has helped the fitness world understand good, fascia. Good. That's right. And, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, in the Rolf Institute world, we're, you know, which again, it's great. Like I kind of dance in between both of like, I really, I can be a total set rep person. And I also can be like very, just feel and experience and let's be way more somatic in terms of, um, you know, fitness. And, um, and, but like, again, yeah, going back to like, there's there's so there's way more needs of you know of or yeah. benefits of being of these different schools and then just talking about why and right. this one's better you know it's just this one's going to meet this learner's type of needs yep i was going to say neil just respecting your time for like for the near future for people if people want to study with you or learn more you're doing most stuff through alesh but my guess is with covid how, how do people find more about you well, they can always email me. They can always, always email me. Uh, I'm a bit off the grid uh, mm-hmm. as far as uh, social media goes. Um, and all I've canceled everything. I've canceled Japan, Warsaw, Poland, uh, Prague is what I meant to say, not Poland. Uh, and it, it, that, that's been heart rendering. But I'm reading more. I'm working in the garden. I'm walking more. I mean, it's, uh, I, I've definitely, there's some silver linings to this uh, pandemic that I think are more for introspection and taking care of oneself. But that's the best way they can reach me is through, um, through email. Hopefully after pandemic, you'll be out 
teaching back again in Europe and Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and probably Japan will be first. I, I've had to cancel that advanced class and they were halfway into it and I feel obligated. This has been really, really a pleasure. Like I said earlier, I really enjoyed watching you and listening to you. And I remember it was the start of me actually being open to the guild because I'd met huh. guilders before and didn't have the best interaction with them. So my, you know, my first two interactions weren't great. Therefore I associated all guilders are this way and somehow came across Dario's posts on, on social media and yeah. started watching. And I, I like some of this in there. And then it was actually yours where I was like, there's something, there's something there really. Uh, and that, and that was one of the things that helped, I would say in some ways spark this cross communication oh. um, and Alesh has been, you know, wonderful and helping with that as well as the one who connected us, but also opening doors. I've really enjoyed just that cross connection with him and what he's trying to do for the work. Um, he's doing a good job. Yeah. But yeah, just really grateful. It has been a great, I've really enjoyed talking with you and listening to you. To you. Me too, you. Yeah. Well, I wish you well. I wish you well. Yeah. Nikki, well, nice meeting you and Andrew. Likewise, thank you so much you for now. your time. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you for your time and we'll be in touch. You're welcome both. Bless Bye. you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to us at Touching Into Presence. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you did enjoy it, we'd appreciate if you'd leave a positive review of the podcast and subscribe to it through the platform of your choice. When you do this, it really helps other people find us and we greatly appreciate your support. We look forward to hearing back from you and catching you on our next conversation and touching into presence. Bye-bye.